This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 664. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 664. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. Oh, it's hard to say happy Monday when the world is such a hard place, but I'm going to say it anyway. This is the first time I've recorded since Roe v. Way was overturned, and we're going to talk about it a little bit today. We're not going to talk super specifically about that decision because there's a lot of places where people are talking about that decision, and I think you all know where I stand on it. <laughs> I'm obviously horrified, horrified and devastated and angry and full of rage and but also not surprised. This is the America we live in. I want to talk about how you play the long game in your advocacy and activism, because while this instance is extremely devastating and will have dire consequences, already is having dire consequences, these are the kinds of things that we are feeling like we're consistently up against right now. Like This is one of many horrifying things that have happened recently. It just continues to be an onslaught of one thing after another where it feels like we have to take a stand and we have to speak up and we have to do more and we have to show up and we have to lead. And it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I want to encourage you, invite you to step into advocacy and activism in a way that you can stay in it for the long haul. I think that piece is really important. I think that when we're really you know, fueled with rage, which can be very productive, by the way, that we get really eager to dive in in a moment 
But I think what's more beneficial over the long haul is when we're committed to something or committed to a set of values that allow us to stay in advocacy and activism over our lifespan and not just in a moment. And I think that that piece is really, really important. And that's what I want to invite you into today. Whether you identify as an activist or an ally or an advocate, those terms aren't super important to me right now. I think that everyone who listens to this show in one way or another wants to own and embrace one or more of those titles in some way, because that's the feedback I hear from you frequently, but that can feel scary and uncomfortable. And I think that we often think like, well, where's the checklist to like determine if I'm an activist or an ally or an advocate? And there's not really a checklist. (laughs) I think that when we're looking at those titles, you use the title that feels right to you. I feel most comfortable calling myself an advocate out of those three titles. We might get into that in a little bit in terms of as I'm talking through this episode, I might dig into those three titles and which one fits best for me and makes me feel the most comfortable in terms of saying it. I'm not as concerned with how you define yourself as I am concerned with how you commit to showing up in your values in order to be the citizen that you want to be, in order to be the leader that you want to be, in order to be the woman, the mother, and the advocate, ally, or activist that you want to be. So I'm going to talk you through eight ways to how to play the long game in your advocacy and activism. And then I'm going to also give you five steps to take right now. Because the eight ways that for you to play the long game are more like, what do you do consistently over the long haul? They're not like, what do you do today or tomorrow? And so they're things that you can really embrace on and work on over time. But I also want you to feel like you can do something today, because I think that there's an urgency and a need for that as well. So let's dive in. The first thing that you can do, the first way to play the long game in your advocacy and activism is to let your rage be your fuel. Now, when your rage is your fuel, it's adrenaline, it's finite. (laughs) And so our rage can take us to a point and we can get a lot done. We can get a lot done. We can say a lot. We can jump in. We can use everything we've got in terms of energy and resources and time. Like we go all in when we're in those fits of rage. And that can be a really good thing. That is how big things can happen. That is how we can shake things up. That is how we can really cause a scene and be heard and make people be accountable. And there is a lot to be said for letting rage be your fuel. Now, if rage is your fuel for a really, really long time, you are going to get really tired and burn out. And you're not going to be able to function in that role of advocacy and activism on a really long term basis, most likely. So let yourself get caught up in the rage of a moment. Absolutely. And follow that in whatever way makes sense to you. Rage looks different for everyone. But also recognize that you can't stay in that place forever because it's like being in a constant adrenaline rush. And I can tell you doing this work, and it's been interesting doing the work that I do with the podcast in conjunction with the work that I do with my with Vinny's school, there is like something for me to get fuel fired up about and filled with rage about every single day. Because there's always a cause. There's always a cause to for me to want to dig my heels in on and get up on a soapbox about. And I can't live in a constant adrenaline rush. And there have been seasons in the last few years where I've moved just from one adrenaline rush to the next. And it's really, really hard and really exhausting. And it doesn't make me a better advocate or a better activist or a better ally over the long run. It makes me a less functional human. And it really doesn't honor like just me as an individual. So let your rage be your fuel is my first way for you to play the long game. And also my second way for you to play the long game is to not get overly caught up in the moment. When you 
get overly caught up in the moment you go into that place of living in a constant adrenaline rush or run moving from one adrenaline rush to the other. And like I said, that's just not sustainable. So absolutely get angry, feel the rage, feel the hot tears on your cheeks, yell and scream, scream. I don't care where you scream. I don't care if you scream on Facebook. You have my full permission. I'm screaming on Facebook right now. <laughs> like Scream wherever you need to scream, whether it is in your household, obviously like, you know, inappropriate ways, not like screaming in your kids' faces for no reason, but like scream in the places where it's safe for you to scream, but then also scream in the places where your voice is going to be heard and where you have the opportunity to impact and create change. Do that, get angry, but also know that it is necessary for you to manage your energy if you are going to be committed to your values and to leading an advocacy for the long run. So that's number two is not to get overly caught up in the moment because recognize that you can find a moment to be fueled by rage every single day. And this is like living in rage 365 days a year. It's not where you want to be. I promise you that. My third way for you to play the long game in your advocacy and activism is for you to know that the path takes time. And oh, this was a really enlightening thing for me as I was focusing on just spending some time listening over the last week. I listened to some video footage on that I came across on Instagram, you know, where everyone gets all their news, right? <laughs> but it was video footage from AOC. And however you feel about AOC, as a politician, I know she's super polarizing. No matter how you feel about her, I think she had some really good points. And I was like, oh, yeah, so much truth there. So when I say know that your path takes time, the right has been working on overturning Roe versus Wade for 50 years. There have been politicians strategically making one step at a time in quiet little ways to overturn this from the day that it was signed into law until this last week until June 24th, 2022, there were people taking steps, playing the long game. And when AOC talked about that, she was like, so what's your long game? What's your 50-year plan? If this took them 50 years, and not that it needs to take 50 years to overturn last Friday's decision, but what's your long-term plan? Like, what are, how can you do this in a way that you can stay committed if it takes 50 years? And I was like, oh, that's so eye-opening because I hadn't thought about this as being a 50-year plan. So know that whatever path you choose, it takes time. This has been something that's been really hard for me to learn in advocacy is that when I feel strongly about something, I want the need to be met really quickly because in my mind, the need is urgent and crucial. And sometimes even like, you know, there might be lives on the line. It might be life-threatening. Like it's my urgency is a big deal to me, right? <laughs> so knowing that the path takes time is really, really hard, but the path takes time. And so whether you're looking at overturning a law or you're looking at you know, trying to help people shift in their ideology or anything in between, it takes time and it takes often like multiple voices and multiple attempts and multiple inputs. And so how can you be on the path and just recognize that like, I'm just going to be here for a while and I'm going to keep taking one step at a time. But this isn't like have an action plan that gets me through the next 10 days and then I'm done. This isn't like a new fitness plan. It's not a 90 day action plan. It's not like, you know, hashtag 2022 goals. This is a longer path. And there's going to be twists and turns and there's parts that are going to be really amazing and there's going to be setbacks where you're like, oh, great, we just took, you know, a few steps back on the path. And so knowing that the path takes time is going to be really, really helpful in terms of just you having the ability to continue to show up, which is number four. 
Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a side of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and Beaches Vacation.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. So number four in terms of how to play the long game over in your advocacy and activism is to show up every day. And I've talked a lot recently about referencing just different ways to live in your core values. And once you know what your core values are, you pretty simply and clearly can determine what action step you want to take based on your core values. So you see something happen and you're like, hmm, should I do something about that? Well, what are my core values? If my core values are, so for me, if I have a core value around like justice and autonomy, I can't not say something. I can't not show up in terms of what just happened with the Supreme Court. I can't not participate in the solution to that, right? Because that's my core value. So how am I going to show up every day in my core values? So when we look at showing up every day, it's different every day. So some days you might be showing up and doing something little. Some days you might be showing up and just thinking about an action step. Some days you might be diving in on something. Some days you might be taking a big risk, entering a high stakes conversation. And some days maybe you're practicing being an active learner, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So it can look really different. But how are you showing up every day? Another thing that AOC said in one of her videos, but I think she said it in a couple of them, but she was like, chop, chop. Like, where are you? What are you going to do? Chop, chop. Which was this call to like call to action. Like, I don't care what you do. Just do something. This is the time to show up, speak up, stand up, say something, do something, commit to advocacy, commit to activism, commit to being you know part of this the change that we need to see and part of an actual plan. I think what she meant, what I took away from the chop chop is like, it doesn't mean that you need to stop everything that you're doing in your life to take on a new role. It means that like chop chop, start showing up, start showing up and listening and learning and deciding how you want to lead differently, deciding what conversations you want to engage in, deciding how you want to shift in your identity in terms of advocacy and activism, just start showing up in it. And there's so many ways that you can do that. Your advocacy and your activism is a way of life. It's not a one-time thing or an event-specific thing. If you can start showing up every day, just doing a little bit every day, that makes a huge difference. And then when there is a moment to be caught up in the rage and the fire and the fury, then you will know what the next step is for you. It will be, it will unfold for you because you will have been preparing for it by just showing up every day and being in action in little ways so that when it's time to take bigger action, you're poised in position to do that. Number five, the fifth way to show up in the long game and play the long game in your activism and advocacy is to commit to being an active lifelong learner. When you commit to being an active lifelong learner, you grow and evolve with the times and you grow and evolve with movements and you grow and evolve in terms of how you can leverage your skills and your talents and your gifts in ways that serve the world in 
all sorts of different capacities. So how I could show up as an advocate in my 20s was different than in my 30s, which is different than in my 40s. How I could show up as an advocate before I was a mom versus now is totally different. If I'm committed to being a lifelong learner, I'm able to be nimble and grow and evolve as my identity grows and evolves, as I continue to learn. Also, as we continue to learn, we have a lot of different, our thoughts formulate in different ways. And we also have a lot of different ideas and concepts that we can dig into in really active ways. So we don't get stuck so much in analysis paralysis because we gain clarity as we learn. And we also gain an ability to discern around how we want to take action and to identify that like, oh, I've learned enough now to know that step A is more important than step B right now, or option A is more important than option B, or option A is the next right thing and option B might be a little bit down the road. So just being committed to being an active lifelong learner is going to really help you in the process of discernment as you get into opportunities to show up in advocacy. Number six, the sixth way for you to play the long game in your advocacy and activism is to embrace your identity as an activist, as an ally, as an advocate, whichever title feels good to you. So I will share a little bit about these titles because I think this might be helpful to some of you. Like I said earlier, I want you to wear whichever title feels right to you. I don't feel comfortable self-identifying as an ally or an activist, although other people might choose to identify me that way. Those aren't titles that I want to carry. I feel comfortable identifying as an advocate to center myself as an ally or an activist when I have not had to overcome a lot of oppression in my life. Just it doesn't quite feel right to me, especially the activist title. So I feel more comfortable if other people position me as an activist, fine, but it's not a word that I use for myself. Other people feel really differently about use of that word, and I'm not saying anyone else is right or wrong. It's just, this is just how I feel about it. I feel very comfortable positioning myself as an advocate that where I can see a need and I have a resource or I have privilege in a certain position, I'm more than happy to use my power to be supportive. And an ally, there's times when I will say I'm an ally, But I would much rather if I feel better when someone else can identify me as an ally, because it's not really up to me to determine if I make someone else safe. And in my mind, an ally is someone who allows someone else to feel safe and be safe in the world. And only the other party can determine if I do that for them. And so I work toward allyship for sure, but allyship is a verb. And so I am working on my allyship at all times, but I don't classify myself as an ally. I let other people classify me that way if that's how they want to. So if a friend of color or a friend with a disability or a friend in the LGBTQ plus community wants to label me as an ally, I'm going to assume it's because I have created a space in our relationship where they feel safe and they feel a sense of trust and belonging. And that's great. That is always my hope. But there might be other people that are like, yeah, Sarah doesn't do that for me. And so I'm not going to run around like carrying my ally flag. I feel like that's on the other party to determine that. So advocate feels like the title that fits best for me right now. And so if that helps you, feel free to borrow any of that. And if you define those words differently or hold space for them in different ways, then totally up to you. And I'm just kind of giving you my perspective on those. I think what's important is that you hold titles that you can hold in good consciousness and that you can back up and you can say like, this is how I do this. And in a way that doesn't center you. And sometimes I see white women tout themselves as activists and it can be really self-centering and that's not the point of activism. And so it's just not a title that I want to carry in that specific example. 
Number seven, the seventh way to play the long game in your advocacy and activism is to not be precious about always getting it right because you are going to get things wrong. Oh, and this is the hardest part. You're going to get things wrong where you're going to say the wrong thing, probably offend someone. You might make someone really mad. And sometimes that's just part of the role. Like there's going to be people that you make mad that you know you're going to make mad where you're like, yeah, like I'm not concerned if I make Bob mad when I talk about abortion because I don't really give a crap what Bob thinks. But there's going to be other times where you offend or say something insensitive to the same group that you're actually advocating for. And I've done that. And it's awful. It's really hard. And also the alternative to never doing that is to never say anything, to never stand up, to never speak up, to never take action. And that's not an option. So you have to get over being precious about your ego. Now, this doesn't mean that you go around haphazardly working in advocacy where you can be doing harm left and right. But you need to find this balance of being able to take a chance and get out of analysis paralysis enough to take action where you can actually be making change, where you can actually be like using your voice in a way that has impact. If you're always precious about this and you're like, oh, but I don't want to say it because I don't want to offend or Uncle Joe might be mad at me or whatever, then you're going to be stuck in analysis paralysis and you're going to be stuck in inaction. And I don't know of any advocates or activists who are inactive. <laughs> It's not, they don't go, that doesn't go together. So you have to really get over that precious sense of ego in order to keep moving, to keep moving forward, to keep showing up and to just recognize that like fumbling is going to be part of it. You're going to have to say sorry a number of times. And there will be people who do not accept your apology. And that's not a reason to not keep going. I have fumbled, I've said sorry, and I've had people accept my apologies. And I've had people who haven't. And it's really hard when they don't because I'm a people pleaser. And I've held that for a long time. And I've done a ton of self-reflection around those instances where I feel like, gosh, I screwed up. And how could I have done that better so that we didn't get to this place? And I feel like I've done my best at really learning from those instances. And from there, then I have to move on. And there's been times when I didn't want to move on. There's been times where I was like, God, I feel like I messed that up so bad. Like, I don't want to keep going and showing up in this. It almost feels like I'm a bit of a fraud to keep showing up. But I also recognize that like the alternative would be to not do anything. And that's not who I am. That's like, I'm not someone who's going to sit down because I made a mistake. And I also am not going to miss out on opportunities to have impact because I messed up one time or two times. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, 
More Joyful Parent, with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. And then number eight, the eighth way to play the long game in your advocacy and activism is to make space for rest and recovery. So this doesn't mean that we rest and recover all the time, especially if we are people that carry a lot of privilege because we don't have all the time in the world for rest and recovery, but there also needs to be some rest and recovery. So I'll give an example. On Friday, if you were following me on social media on Friday, like all my Instagram stories, all my Facebook personal page, Facebook feed was just like all up in arms and all the rage and all the fury. And then on Saturday, so this was the day that Roe v. Wade got overturned on Friday. Then on Saturday, I went and took Vinny paddleboarding down the street from our house. We live right near Green Lake in Seattle. So we got out our paddleboards. We go paddleboarding. And I took a few pictures. And then I was like, oh, I feel like I can't post these on social media because it feels irreverent to share joy when something so horrible has happened. And it feels irresponsible to even feel the joy. And it was a really weird, conflicting moment as I was out there with him and just so glad to be off the internet for a while. And I was taking pictures and I was like, oh, these pictures are so cute. And this is so fun. And it's like our first really sunny day this summer. And it's our first time taking out the paddle boards. And it was, we were just having a really fun time. And I felt weird about it. Like I felt like, oh, I should like be home on the internet screaming right now. (laughs) That's what like the good advocates and activists are doing, right? The people who are really in the fight, like they're not out paddleboarding. (laughs) And I had to remind myself that Friday was a really hard day. And if I'm gonna keep showing up on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and indefinitely through the end of 2022 and into 2023, then yeah, like I'm gonna have to go do something fun with my kid in the sun on the lake for two hours on a Saturday. That's what rest and recovery looks like. And that's how we keep going is to have those moments. So we don't take, you know, weeks and months off necessarily, although you might, maybe you just had a baby and you're like, yeah, like I'm not, I can't fight for this right now. That's okay. As soon as you can get in the fight, or if there's a way that you can do something now, do what you can to your ability, but make that space for rest and recovery and make it as limited as it needs to be for you. And you have to be the person who discerns that. I was sharing with a friend who asked me, she sent me a boxer a couple days after the Supreme Court decision. And she said, Sarah, what are we going to do? And I said, I've been doing it. I've been doing what I'm going to do. For six years, I've been like talking about the things that no one talks about and talking about the things that we need to speak about and talking about using your voice. And it's like all I've done for six years. I've been doing the things. And I'm going to keep doing that for sure. But I'm not like making a whole brand new plan, I'm gonna assume that there's been some other people who've been resting this whole time and maybe they can step up. Maybe they can make a plan. Maybe they can figure out how to make space for some activism and advocacy right now. And I'm specifically talking about people who've never put a stake in the ground when it comes to women's bodies and abortion. So mostly white men. (laughs) And so my response to my friend was like, what are we gonna do? I'm not doing anything differently in this moment. I'm gonna think for a while. I'll do a podcast about it, but I'm going to keep doing the things that I do because everything that I do supports the work that other women need to be doing right now and that other people need to be doing. So I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing because I've already been in this. So I'm going to stay committed to being in it, but I'm also going to honor myself by rest and recovery. I am not like diving into this 150% as this is my new mission in life 
to see how I can get involved in advocacy around this issue specifically, because I know I have to hold space for so many things. And I want to also empower all of you to do the same. And that's my most serious commitment. So how can I do that the very best way possible and know that all of you are catalysts for change? Every episode that I create is a catalyst for change. Every conversation I decide to host is a catalyst for change. So that's what I'm going to keep doing. And I'm going to rest in between so that I can keep doing that. We're at episode 664. How do I keep going to episode 1000? That's my goal right now, (laughs) which episode 1000 sounds like a really far way away, but we're going to be here. That's the goal. That's the goal. Okay, so let's talk about steps to take to get involved or steps to take right now. So steps to do take right now in your advocacy, allyship, activism, what do those look like? First is to volunteer. Volunteer for local organizations, volunteer for local politics, get out when it comes to campaigning for uh, midterm elections. There's so many ways to get involved for things like that. So just getting involved, because here's the thing about getting involved. When you get involved, first of all, you feel like you're part of something. But secondly, you get connected in your community. And when you get connected into your community, more opportunities will present themselves. So getting involved is going to be paramount. And it can be getting involved in any way that is appropriate for you. Maybe you're a graphic designer and you're like, yeah, I want to make like mailers for this candidate. Maybe you are someone who loves making phone calls and you want to do phone calls. Maybe you love to go do the doorbelling. Like I actually have friends who like to do that stuff. That's horrifying to me. I would rather make more podcast episodes. (laughs) Like I don't want to go knock on people's doors. Whatever you can do to get involved, go do that thing. The third thing to do is to invite others to join you. So get involved in local organizations, get involved in local politics. Number three, invite other people to join you. People want to be supportive right now. People want to be part of a cause and they want to be part of change and they want to be part of the revolution. Invite other people to join you. When we are doing things together, we're more likely to stick with them and we're building relationships as we go. And we have that sense of being being seen, being heard and being held. And that's what we need more than anything right now is being seen, being heard and being held. Because I will tell you that women across this country do not feel seen, do not feel heard and do not feel held right now. So how can you invite others to join you so that we can be in that space of being seen, heard and held? The fourth thing that you can do is to make connections between people who have ideas and people who have money, power, and resources. So if you are in a position of being able to do this, oh my gosh, do it. I know a lot of people who have ideas because I know a lot of people in the entrepreneurial space and I know a lot of people with money, resources, and power because I'm in business spaces and I have people with like friends with fancy jobs who have other friends with fancy jobs. How can you connect people? I'm in the process of connecting people right now who have big ideas around how to support um, different things around the Roe v. Wade decision. And then also have, I'm also in contact with people who have money and resources who are like, I want to be a part of the change and I am connecting them. And it's like, who wants to invest in this, that, and the other thing? And who has legal uh, contacts in the legal industry and like all these different things. I'm just being a connector with any of the people that I can connect. And you probably can do that too. On on If you can do it on that scale, do it. And if you can do it on another scale, do that. How can you be a connector of people who have ideas and people who have resources to get those ideas off the ground? And then number five is to speak up on the matters that are most important to you. Speak up, speak up, speak up. I talk about this all the time and I feel like a broken record and I almost didn't put this one in because I'm like, they already know that. (laughs) It's all I talk about, but I'm going to say it again because I know that there are some of you who listen to me say this over and over every week and you think every time you have an opportunity to speak up, you think, oh, I don't know, not this time. And then you are resentful and regretful that you didn't say something. 
let's stop doing that. Speak up on the the matters that are most important to you. It will be scary. It will be hard. It will be uncomfortable. It will be super fumbly. And you will always be glad that you stood in your values afterward. Speak up and look at it as practice. Every single time, it's just, I'm going to practice doing this and see what happens. If you know your values and you know that you are a good person, even if you completely fumble and mess it up, people will give you grace. And if they don't, fine, bye. You don't need them in your life. Please speak up and see this as a constant practice that you do in many contexts. This is a constant practice that you do in all sorts of places, whether it is in your marriage, whether it is in the way that you parent your teenager, whether it is in your opportunities to speak up in the workplace or in community organizations or in with your in-laws, in your church, practice speaking up, okay? So those were your six steps. Get involved in local politics, volunteer for local organizations, invite other people to join you, make connections between people with ideas and people with resources, and speak up on the matters that are most important to you. Thank you for being here. If this episode was helpful, as always, please, please share it out. I feel like this one was extra action focused. And also, I feel like this one maybe needs to be listened to more than once. So if you didn't take notes, I invite you to listen again and take some notes, maybe put a little post-it on your bathroom mirror so that you're like remembering that this is who I am. And this is how I'm staying in the long game in my activism, in my advocacy, in my allyship, whatever word feels right for you so that we can stay in this together. It's hard, but I'm in this with you always. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, 
PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.